So today we're reading uh, the chapter Become What You Are out of Alan Watts' book, Become What You Are. This is a relatively short chapter as it's the matter of two fairly large paragraphs. But with Alan Watts, some of his shortest writings and essays and speeches have the most depth to them. And with this episode, it's going to allow us to be a little bit more freeform in our interpretations of things. And it may lead to other things that aren't really relative to the chapter, but are relative to what we're talking about. So I hope that you guys enjoy this chapter. And uh, as we discuss it, feel free to join in and leave some comments. Like, follow, subscribe. Go ahead, Luke. Become what you are. It has been said that the highest wisdom lies in detachment, or, in the words of Chuang Tzu, the perfect man employs his mind as a mirror. It grasps nothing. It refuses nothing. It receives but does not keep. Detachment means to have neither regrets for the past nor fears for the future. To let life take its course without attempting to interfere with its movement and change neither trying to prolong the stay of things pleasant, nor to hasten the departure of things unpleasant. To do this is to move in time with life, to be in perfect accord with its changing music, and this is called enlightenment. In short, it is to be detached from both past and future, and to live in the eternal now. For in truth neither past nor future have any existent apart from this now, by themselves, they are illusions. Life exists only at this very moment, and in this moment, it is infinite and eternal. For the, for the present moment is infinitely small, before we can measure it, it has gone, and yet it persists forever. This movement and change has been called Tao by the Chinese, yet in fact there is no movement, for the moment is the only reality, and there is nothing beside it in relation to which it can be said to move. Thus, it can be called at once the eternally moving and eternally resting. How can we bring ourselves into accord with this Tao? A sage has said that if we try to accord with it, we shall get away from it. But he was not altogether right. For the curious thing is that you cannot get out of accord with it even if you want to. Though your thoughts may run into the past or the future, they cannot escape the present moment. However far back or forward they try to escape, they can never be separated from the moment, for these thoughts are themselves of the moment, just as much as anything else they partake of, and indeed are the movement of life, which is Tao. You may believe yourself out of harmony with life and its eternal now, but you cannot be, for you are life and exist now, otherwise you would not be here. Hence, the infinite Tao is something which you can neither escape by flight nor catch by pursuit. There is no coming toward it or going away from it. It is, and you are it. So, become what you are. Wow. Become the Tao. The Tao is a very powerful thing. Yeah. I think um, this chapter really, for me, is... Uh, extremely concentrated version of the whole message and ideas of this book Absolutely. you know we we kind of 
we're talking a lot about the impossibility of resisting the now in the last chapter and uh, resisting the self in the last chapter. Um, and, and we're definitely going to go more in depth into specific aspects of these ideas in later chapters, but this is a very much the crux of what this book is, hence why it's named after this chapter. Absolutely. Um, it being a brief outline uh, of the Tao, but yet it's so powerful. This message that is within this chapter is the easiest way to explain existence. Mm -hmm. And how we as human beings move in and out of existence by getting stuck in the past or falling mm -hmm. into the future. When you don't live in the present, when you don't acknowledge the Tao, are you even alive? That's where people forget their existence. Mm -hmm. The anxiety, the depression, the worry, everything comes from not living in the present moment. Right. Fear, resentment. Everything exists yeah outside of the present when you live in the present it is something that all you know is the objects that are around you the people directly with you in that moment and your existence within that world it's a world within a world within a world within a world and we see that kaleidoscope of existence come in and out when we stay in the present moment and when we start to fall out of it all of those worlds collide and it causes confusion you know so as we, as you were just reading this and as i've read this previously as a little background on what i'm about to say is i spent five and a half years working for the church of scientology yep and their basic teachings were control start change stop if you can start something you can change something and you can stop something you're in full control of that whether it's a vehicle whether it's a partner whether it's yourself and from that you would then learn how to be comfortable and we would spend hours with our eyes closed doing it what's called training routine zero which is be there and it's do eyes closed and the longest that i did was five hours and i'm sitting three feet away from a person mm -hmm. with our eyes closed and it created a complete trust between me and that person our affinity level raised our communication level raised the degree of likingness just existed and in that moment i was able to find complete peace i had i was meditating but i was meditating for like 15 to 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes max i never thought that i could just exist comfortably within my skin in the present moment until i experienced that moment with yeah. the with the organization that i was working for and then when we finished that we had to go into TR0 confront. Now, 
I do the same thing, but her eyes are open. No moving, no talking. Hmm. Just purely existing, staring directly at another individual. And the phenomenons that happened, the morphing of the human in front of me, the disappearance of the human in front of me, and then the deep connection I established with that person was amazing. Now, the rest of their teachings is complete fucking batshit. <laughs> but the basics of it is just, it's the doubt. It's just to okay. exist. Yeah. It's to be aware of your environment. To be aware of the people that you're in. Establish a direct communication line between you, your environment, and your God. Now, they don't necessarily believe in God. But they do have a belief system that they want to be connected to. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to truly build a connection with the higher power of my understanding. And it allowed right. me to, when I was, after five and a half years of the abuse, crazy shit happening, being sent all over the world to do very unkind things. To completely bend my moral, my morality levels, you know, and just, I would fall back to those moments when I was able to just exist in a moment away from everything, but being in the middle of everything. And it allowed me to establish a, a method to eliminate confusion and work my way up through confusion into like more of like a state of you know normality yeah and you it, were grounded and i had spirit. to go within yeah now i wasn't going within for their purpose i was going within for like my meditative practice and in the in the, the spiritual and religious books that i was reading and participating in mm -hmm. on my days off and as i was outside of that organization and allowed me to meet people where they are and those teachings directly correlate with this to just exist be in the present. If you don't acknowledge that, then are you alive? You do. You're here. Like everything else that you have going on is irrelevant. Right. The only thing that matters is now. And that consciousness of Correct. I am now. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a mantra that I've practiced for a very long time. It's something that I still use to this day. When I feel myself going outside of myself. When I feel myself getting confused or anxiety ridden when I'm sitting in a meeting and I have really bad sensory issues mm -hmm. going on that's the mantra that I chant in my I head am now. I am now okay. I am now because then it allows me to control my environment I know I'm the one that's causing the effect in within me yeah it's not the room it's not the people it's my experiences at some point in my life or past lives that are now existing in this exact moment. And I need to feel that, that this is part of my existence where you may believe yourself out of harmony with life and it's internal now, but you cannot be for your life and exist now. Otherwise you would not be here. If I wasn't supposed to feel that, I wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't continue to return to that meeting. 
I wouldn't yeah. have taken a commitment at that meeting. And every meeting, it's gotten better. Now it's been a little, almost a year, that that's been happening at a very specific meeting. But it happens at almost in everywhere that I go, just at different levels. And when I feel that, that's the mantra I chant. I am now. It brings me right back into the moment. Yeah. So I think there's something interesting about um, we were talking about the Scientology, your experience with Correct. that. And it's like you take some and you leave the rest, right? And there's obviously like, I mean, there's one thing that it sounds like you took and it sounds like the rest of the stuff you left. Not necessarily. There's, there's a lot of good information that yeah, L. Ron okay. Hubbard wrote. Okay. Um, but the the way that they choose to live their life and the in the targeted audience is what I couldn't get behind. I couldn't get behind the science fiction shit either. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that there's a a, a demon lord locked in an internal prison on a different planet that's about to escape and release all of the thetans on the earth that are controlling us and eliminate mankind i do not think that by myself clear is eliminating the thetans when a thetan is essentially the multiple personalities that we have the pain the fear the depression Mm -hmm. there's there's a I'm gonna bring up some terminology that that I would that was taught gotcha. to me. Yeah. And this was so the let me give a full explanation. There I went to a, a drug and alcohol rehabilitation facility. And uh fuck it, it was called Narconon. <laughs> and Narconon taught the basics of the program were amazing. Mm-hmm. But it taught self control. You don't need meetings, you don't need anything else. You are God. You are the control. Nothing else. Right. And so you start out as in book one. There's a series of eight books that you have to accomplish to complete the program. In book one's training routines. And it teaches you to be. You do the training routines. Um, you learn how to communicate. There's communication drills that are part of the training routines. There's control drills. You work with a partner that's called your twin, and you work together throughout this whole book. The second book of the program is the New Life Detoxification Program, and this is the sauna program. And this is where a lot of discrepancies came from the world, medical professionals, Okay. where we would sit in a sauna for five hours a day and take niacin, and you'd start out at 100 milligrams and work your way up to 5,000 milligrams. Now, if you don't know what niacin does, you take niacin and it causes a physical reaction because it's opening the vessels in the fat cells within your body and it's releasing toxins. It's a very good vitamin, mm-hmm. but it's meant to be in very small dosages. Okay, It's something that you take along with like a pre-workout or a creatine to open up so the body can accept everything. What it does Mm -hmm. is it essentially wipes everything out and opens everything. So your body experiences itchiness, redness, prickly feelings. It's like you have a sunburn and you go in the sauna and the heat will actually eliminate 
that reaction. But you okay. stay in the sauna until the reaction is gone. So at 100 milligrams, it's maybe like 5, 10 minutes of a reaction. It comes, it goes. And then the next day, you, you take it again. You don't have a reaction. So after two days, you move up to 200 milligrams and so on and so forth, all the way up to 5,000 milligrams. Now, I grew up next to Los Alamos National Laboratory and I was exposed to a ton of radiation. It exposes radiation. It exposes old sunburn. So when I was like 10 years old, I was in at Lake Superior with my family for a family reunion. And I was laying on the beach and I fell asleep. And I had my hands like this on my stomach. Okay. And I got sunburned to shit. Everywhere and I had my handprints. Yeah. Right? Now I'm fucking 19 at this facility and that sunburn comes up that's insane so it made sense to me that what was happening like i had to reject that sun radio radioactive ability in me that sun radiation let me put it that way yeah and then it it, it exposed injuries my i had knee surgeries and one day like i felt the exact same pain that i felt when i I buckled my knee and had a tear, mm. torn ACL, PCL, and LCL. Like, I felt that exact pain, and after an hour, it was gone, and my knee felt better from there on out. So there was a lot of stuff like that, but the sauna program also caused a lot of damage. I bet. No one's supposed to take that much niacin. I was in the sauna program for 91 days three months of my existence every single day five hours a day in the sauna i felt good i go i was sleeping better but you take the niacin and you you take a whole bunch of vitamins you take their CalMag, which is like their kool-aid and they say don't drink the kool-aid don't drink their calcium magnesium and drink one it tastes like shit two it makes you shit your brains out and clear everything out it's a detox drink essentially but it's fucking terrible and then after that program, after 91 days, I went into book three, which was a learning improvement course. It just taught me how to learn. It was very quick. I finished it in like a few hours because I know how to learn. Good for you. Like that's I read yeah. books. You know <laughs> what I mean? But it was like very specific things. Like it taught you how to clear a word. It gave you seven steps to clearing words so you have a full understanding of that word, which I still use to this day. When I'm reading something and I come across a word, that I don't know what it means or I don't understand it in that context or even when I'm reading and I stumble across a word, I'll go and look that word up and I mm -hmm. use the seven steps. I look up the, de the definition, the derivation, any idioms, synonyms. I write sentences with it so I have a full understanding and application of that word. Nice. Like that's what they taught. It was like really good. Okay. That's super good stuff. Yeah. Like it's effective. I'm 19 yeah. years old. I might be going to college. I might be using this stuff. Like that was great. Book four was broken into two pieces, 4A, 4B. Now, that's book one on steroids. 4A is you move up to a two-hour eyes closed, Yeah. two-hour eyes open. Yeah. There's also these other drills that establish communication. One of them is bull baiting, which is you basically have somebody. You're sitting here completely motionless. And someone is talking complete shit to you, making fun of you, bringing up your deepest, mm. darkest things. And it's supposed to flatten out those buttons. It's used in a couple of different methods and treatment and behavioral modification programs where they put okay. you in the center of the room and everybody brings up your defects, essentially. And it's a very traumatizing thing. Yeah, sounds like it. And you just have to sit there and take it and can't move. You can't flinch. A lot of it was humor. 
try to get you to laugh. They pull out their dick. They do crazy things. And But then the second part, 4B, is the objectives course. Now, this is where it gets a little kooky. kooky this is the, where it gets kooky? Yeah. This okay. is like Before, like, yes, it did. But this is where now... It's a little overboard before, but now it's like... Now, what it, you ha, it's you and your twin. You have a twin through mm-hmm. 4A, just like you had in book one. Now, you're doing the objectives course. Now, this is where I literally walked around a room for 11 objectives that I don't know the answer to. I have to figure out the answer by touching objects and listening to just one command. Touch that wall. Touch that. Touch that. And I have to come up with a cognition, a sudden realization that like basically changed my life. There's a specific end phenomena that they're looking for that your case manager that you never meet, you never talk to, you have no understanding. The book doesn't really give you anything but the list of commands and how to walk your twin around the room. And you have to come up with these cognitions. And it's like we came up with some wild shit, but I literally walked around the room listening to my twin tell me to touch specific things Okay. for hours. In hours, it's the whole point of it is to bring you in communication with your environment, your okay. twin, and essentially just come to a, an understanding of being in the present moment, which that stuff does help at a very minor level. I think even when we first met, I gave you, you like a suggestion of when you feel like you're losing your consciousness and you're losing touch with reality, mm-hmm. you just start touching objects around you, get an understanding that you're in a real world. Yeah. Like that made sense to me. But for me to have to come up with a very specific set of words to move on to the next objective. Now, I was in the objectives program for five and a half months to do 11 objectives. Mm -hmm. The last objective is I'm in between two tables with a book and a bottle. One of the book is any book that you want, and the bottle is, and I get my twin commands me to walk over to that bottle, pick up that bottle, what's its weight, what's its color, what's its texture, over and over and over, and in this objective, you can't stop. I didn't stop for seven days. No food, very limited water. I was... And I had to... And I just couldn't understand. It was the hardest objective that they had. Uh, seven days, 24 hours a day, falling asleep, being woken up from my instructor. Like it was physical, mental, emotional, spiritual abuse Yeah, that I went through in that. And that is where like my spirit broke. And But I in those moments when my spirit broke, I brought myself back to that I am now brought myself back into myself and tried to just get a a basic understanding of I don't need to listen to these people I just need to obey what they're saying so I can finish this program yeah that's where I kind of got and then I when I finally finished objectives it was like oh my god I can see the light at the end of the tunnel but you have four more books you have five six seven and eight book five talked about potential trouble sources and this is where i was getting before i started the whole breakdown of the program and what i went through potential trouble sources someone that you're directly connected to that's a suppressive person now a suppressive person is also what they consider a thetan so you would be an evil entity connected to me causing me harm any illness 
Or what is it? It's something like, I had to learn patterns, word for word phrases. Um, all illness in greater or lesser degree stems directly and only from a PTS condition. No matter what it is that you have, it's because you're connected to a suppressive person. Cancer, AIDS, you're dying, liver cold. failure, a cold. So yeah, when we would get sick, everything, yeah. when we, if you complained about any type of illness, food poisoning, you had to go and do an ethics interview. This is where you go down to the disciplinary and they try to find out what you did wrong, who you're connected mm. to that's breaking the rules and it was their ability to uh, to really bully us yeah, into ratting on each other, essentially. That book was full of shit for me. I got it. I understood it. I, whatever. I didn't put much attention on that. I know that if I'm connected to a negative person, disconnect. If my parents aren't treating me well, and I, I'm going to have an actual conversation with them. I'm going to make an amends because I, I got to clean up my side of the street. This was blaming everybody else for your problems. And all of a sudden, magically, you would be better. Cancer would be relieved. You wouldn't die. You would live an eternal life. Book six was writing overts and withholds. So this is like the equivalent of like a fourth and a sixth step mixed together. Okay, gotcha. I wrote down all of the bad things that I've done in mm -hmm. all eight dynamics of my life. I learned about the dynamics of life, which were kind of cool. Self, family, groups, meaning like your friends, your associates, social, works, social yeah. um, mankind, the entire world, animals, everything that's not a human, um, messed matter, energy, space, and time. So like your bills, your home, the physical things okay. that are around you. Gotcha. Um, seven was uh, infinity or no, it's uh, I forget the name of it, but it's essentially like your spiritual beliefs. Okay. And then eight was infinity, which was that exactly just whatever. Yeah. Existence of all time. Okay. And you wrote that overts and withholds on each and every dynamic and again this is where your case manager would say okay you're done move on to the second dynamic first dynamic was like all the times that i used drugs mm -hmm. all the things i did to harm myself second dynamic i wrote all the things i did to harm my family and mm -hmm. then my friends and then animals and so on and so forth all the way throughout and that was a very relieving process yeah it is a very like dude i wrote thousands of pages of yeah. things but it what it was is that there's a time place form event format so i had to write the time so as an example uh may 1998 i was the first time i cut myself mm -hmm. so then the over time place that would be new puaca new mexico where i grew up or at school i was at puaca elementary and then I would write the exact deal, detailed word for word, as close as you can get to relive that experience. So I had to like go back into my third grade mind of when I took the uh, expo knife from my teacher and started to cut my legs mm -hmm. and relive that. And I had to like go into the moment. It took me all the way into the moment of like sitting in the library, hiding with my pants rolled up cutting myself the feelings that it elicited the remorse the relief everything 
And then the event was what exactly happened after that. I pulled down my pant legs and I went back to class. I didn't tell anybody anything. Mm-hmm. I did. I had to do that for every single time that I did that, that I could remember. So I relived my entire life. But at the end of it, I had a complete relief. It's like I had let go of all of those things, but they didn't teach me how to maintain that. Yeah. So do you think having that really, um, those specific requirements to get as detailed as possible about the time and the place, was that beneficial to that process or was that detrimental? Because to me, it almost feels like like the the obligation or requirement to get the details is like, shit, I don't know. Sometimes for specific actions, it was, it was beneficial for a vast majority of it, especially on those early dynamics, myself, my family, my friends. Okay. Reliving those moments completely you know shattered my wind streak i'd been clean for like nine months at that time mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i felt just like such a piece of shit that my past was always going to be with me and i reliving those it re-stimulated and made me feel the exact same way as i felt in those moments of cutting myself doing the first drugs being beat being raped all of those things mm-hmm. like i relived those moments and it took years for me to stop feeling that that emotion from what writing like that elicited in me yeah but then some of the things that i was able to let go of okay so it was like kind of hit or miss um i was young i was stubborn so i just didn't talk about it um i meditated a lot to try to get past it but my meditations turned into just reliving those experiences okay for a long time and it wasn't until i reached I reached out for help from other spiritual sources to kind of eliminate the work that the Scientologists had done on me. Yeah, because so my experience uh, with trauma, and again, this is my experience, is that um, reliving and processing that stuff is a valuable process, but at a certain point, the end goal is like detachment from these experiences, right? Correct. Because something happened and then now years years later this thing that has happened in my life is now having such a profound impact on my personality on my life on the things that i feel like i'm able to do on my relationships and um it takes you out of the now it takes you out of the now yeah so using flies take that fly really likes me hi what's up bud um yeah and then that's exactly it. That program, the last two books are changing conditions in life, how to ex- move up in life, become affluent, become a place of power. The last book was super easy. It was a way to happiness. It was a book that L. Ron Hubbard wrote about 21 precepts to living a happy life. Mm-hmm. All bullshit. Okay. Very cookie cutter stuff. Okay. White picket fans. Correct. Okay. You know what I mean? And it was really just like an introduction to how to become clear. Now that doing those books allowed me, I was on the bridge to being clear. So I had been unwittingly, unknowingly, I had been inducted into Scientology. Mm -hmm. I had been doing the things that someone who wanted to become a Scientologist would do in their beginning stages of being a Scientologist. Yeah. 
Now I took a job with these people. I had to get trained by them to work in different positions throughout the organization. Each organize each point, like I listened to lectures by L. Ron Hubbard that were fucking insane to become a course supervisor, to teach the, the, those eight books, mm. to run the objectives course. I was labeled as the best objective supervisor that Narconon had ever had because I just knew how to deal with people. And I just told people the fucking answers. Hey, write this down. This is fucking stupid. Just get through this. So the student body, which they called us students, they didn't call us patients. The students loved me for being honest. That's how I got through to them. Was, hey, you can take what you want from this. Leave the rest of this bullshit. Yeah. It's a whole bunch of irrelevant fucking nonsense, but there is some good stuff. And we'll talk about just real life shit. Let's get through this whole fucking program and get you under your life and go into a 12-step fellowship. Mm-hmm. Get You know what I mean? Like, that's what I promoted for five and a half years. But I moved up within the organization. I became an executive director of a facility. I had lawsuits against me. I got completely, deeply involved with the Church of Scientology. Met a whole bunch of Scientologists. Met David Miscavige. I was locked into the center up in Hemet, California yeah. for breaking rules. And the very after I got out of there out of their like essential jail i packed up my car in the middle of the night and left and i had ethics officers chasing me for multiple years i still have people showing up to my childhood home that my family does not own anymore but a family friend owns mm-hmm. i get phone calls from them i'm harassed completely i've have never exposed or gone this in depth in any type of like public matter about it but i do feel that it's time because it directly relates to what we're talking about you know, through what Alan Watts is doing. Um, it's a, it was a wild experience in my life, but I did learn a lot from it. It taught yeah. me the person I didn't want to be. I yeah. didn't want to become a money hungry pup, you know, prey on the weak, take over third world countries and promise them the world and have them live in shit conditions yeah. and blah, 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 blah. You can read about Scientology and what they do and the crazy shit that happens mm-hmm. if you want Maybe I'll go more in depth in later episodes and various things like that. But that's a brief synopsis of my induction into Scientology. But where it all came down to is that basic premise of be. Mm-hmm. To exist. To know that I exist and to know my worth and purpose in my life. Yeah. The Tao. I think there's a lot of, in the religions of the world, a lot of the sort of concept of take what you want and leave the rest Absolutely. and that's kind of that's how i live my life right that's the same in my understanding of those spiritual i'm beliefs. not religious i'm spiritual because of that yeah um you've had experience with I've dabbled institution in, uh, institution of catholicism scientology yeah. hinduism yeah. buddhism taoism to be to eliminate the ability to freely be who I want to be and take what I want from each and every one mm-hmm. of those you know organized religions is much more uplifting to me and now I just read a study and listened to a woman a PhD out of Columbia's teaching uh, master's university and uh, she has a literally like you become a spiritual master you can get a master's degree in spirituality cool which is super rad. But what she was talking about is the people who acknowledge that they are spiritual 
have true awakenings the people mm-hmm. who acknowledge that they're religious purely religious they don't acknowledge the spirit are closed so i want to be awakened i want to access that crocodile brain through yeah. my consciousness yeah i want to be able to control my body temperature i want and this is what happens through being in the now yeah from meditating from breath work practices from doing physical yoga from learning and experiencing what this world has to offer and giving back to this world everything what we're doing here today on this podcast and what we're going to continue to do is be of service the selfless yeah. service to disseminate knowledge from very intelligent people and give our interpretations and our feelings and our life and our stories and our experiences that's being of service someone else out there might completely resonate with this yeah some other person might have gone to Narcan on one of the other facilities like fuck dude I went through the same thing mm-hmm. there's lots of people like that out there yeah. I ran into a few of them in their rooms and I'm like dude it's fucking hmm. nuts what we went through I'm glad you made it out cause yeah. lot, there's a yeah, lot of yeah, people yeah. who died there okay overdoses misappropriation of things you know just random shit disappearances disappearances okay. it was wild we'll, we'll talk more about that in later points yeah you know at, to, to summarize what we've read you know uh, to do this move in time with life to be perfect to be in perfect accord with its changing music and this is called enlightenment. In short, it is to be detached from both past and future and live in the internal now. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to strive for every single day. Detached from what's already happened. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. I, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. And if I'm worried about the future, there's nothing I can do to control it. It's not here yet. Yeah. But I can... I can do that in the now. In this yeah. moment, right here, right now. Not at the beginning of this episode, not five seconds ago, but in this exact moment in time. Yeah. This is all I have. And that's a beautiful awakening. That enlightenment, the ability to just say, hey, I'm in the now. Yeah. Eliminate all your worries. Because this is all, this is it. This is all I'm promised. Is right now. And luckily, I'm making it second by second through the remainder of my life Mm -hmm. until there is no more now. Yeah. All right. What do you got? I think there's kind of a paradox here. Yeah. Um, We're talking about the past and the future and there's this seemingly fine line to me between attachment and detachment to the past and the future because as it says here like those thoughts of the past and of the future are of the moment correct and so if i have memories that come up Uh and nostalgia whatever these things bring me joy like that joy exists in the moment it does the feeling Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you have yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's the actual thing that's happening now that spawns from those things but by being detached from those things you allow them to come in their time mm-hmm. you don't force them up you don't try to dig in your 
into your memory bank and pull up specific memories to elicit specific feelings because that is addiction at its finest. Yeah, okay. You allow it to just come. When you walk into a room and it's like all of a sudden it feels like you've been there because you've been in a similar situation. You have a good memory in that environment and it reflects now. That's a natural occurrence of your past influencing the now. Mm -hmm. But it's just feeling. It's going within and what is that eliciting, eliciting right now? That's the point. Yeah. To be detached, but to allow it to come because they are part of now because they elicit physical reactions. They elicit mental reactions, spiritual reactions, but it's just acknowledging what that reaction is, not acknowledging Mm -hmm. what ignited that and going deeper this way, going deeper into the past to try to get more. Right. One is too many and a thousand is never enough. Yeah. So this is like, this is nostalgia. This is joy created by a memory. This is not the actual this memory. This is not the memory. Right. This and then, is what's happening now. Yeah. And then as far as the future goes, you know, a, an equivalent that I can kind of come up with would be, you know, hope, inspiration for the future, inspiration to pursue certain goals, right? Is like that motivates me in the present and it makes me want to put in the work but the reality is at a certain point i don't have control over that result no and so in the now in this moment what i'm feeling is inspiration it's motivation it's hope it's not you know success it's not you know completion of a goal it's It's just to exist right there's kind of a fine line in between there and i think that that acknowledging that fine line and detaching yourself which is kind of what starts off this chapter is going to allow um you know more openness to experience absolutely more more joy would just like to give what i just talked about that whole breakdown of what i went through it elicited feelings i acknowledge those feelings yeah i took the ones that i wanted and i left the rest in the past but i allowed it to create an emotional an emotional intimate connection to this episode Mm -hmm. and i know that in the future those things are going to come up again and what i just did right now is what i'll do then and that's where i can use the past to influence the future by using the now yeah the future is created from what we've done because it's what we're working towards so we have a general idea of what's going to happen. Like I have a good idea of what's going to happen tomorrow, but I can't exactly say 100% that's what's going to happen. But I have a feeling it's going to be very close to what I did today. And then yeah. there'll be some variation of differences. But if I'm just living moment by moment, I'm not worrying about tomorrow. Yeah. I'm worrying about the completion of, like I'll shorten it to the completion of this episode. Once I know this episode to make it home, to eat some food, and just keep shortening it and shortening it and shortening it and shortening it. And then I go into my meditation practice and then I go to sleep. Like I have a pretty good idea. That's that's my plan for the next couple hours. Mm-hmm. But I can't guarantee that all of that's going to happen. Yeah. But I'm going to use my past to give me a pretty good judgment call. of saying, eh, it's probably going to happen. Right. And if, say, for example, that stuff doesn't happen. It's okay. Right, and that's the that's what detachment looks like, Correct. right? It's, it's all right. Yeah. Like it it wasn't I'm supposed to be here now. I'm supposed to be feeling this feeling right now. Mm-hmm. 
this moment is supposed to be happening so i'm gonna let go of everything else and allow the moment to exist yeah or if you know i come up with a preconceived notion about what should be later on and then it doesn't happen that way and then i'm in this moment where i'm like no i should be somewhere else i'm supposed to be you know wherever it's like that's our self our yep. ego the stuff we talked about Correct. last episode the ego. generating a situation the ego that takes us that out establish of the, the now. fear that removes us from the now and doesn't allow us to adapt and be comfortable in every setting mm-hmm. that we're in because we're attributing it to somewhere else that should have happened that didn't happen or something that has already happened and that's just fear and fear is based on ego and ego mm-hmm. is the fucking demise of all yeah I am now. I am now. That's it. That's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Like, subscribe, follow.